Today's scripture reading is Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. Now, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? As he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. There's a question I often have, and perhaps you've raised it yourself a time or two, but I wonder if you ever thought about why Jesus performed so many healing miracles. I mean, there was all types of miracles that the Lord could have performed in order to validate and point people to his divine power and to validate his messiahship. And indeed, he did. He turned water into wine. He he walked on water. He, he spoke to the wind and the waves. He did many types of miracles, but have you ever wondered why he performed so many healing miracles? The Bible records for us that Jesus performed some 37 miracles. Now, obviously, we know the Bible also tells us in John chapter 21 and verse 25 that Jesus did many more miracles than what is recorded in the Bible. In fact, there were so many more things that Jesus did and said that there would not be room enough to record them all down. But what was and has been recorded for us in God's word is that he did 37, 37 were given to us in the Bible. And of these 37, 28 of them were healing miracles. That is a miracle of Jesus that addressed something that ailed a person or Something that prevented them from being physically whole. And many of these healings had to also do with demonic possession or attack. Why? Why so many of these? Well, beloved, I am convinced that healing miracles were a consistent testimony to who Jesus is 
But all the miracles were consistent testimonies to who Jesus is. But healing miracles were also a testimony to what Jesus had come to do. You see, sickness in whatever form and however serious is a reminder to us in this present world that something is wrong. Sickness signals something is not right in the body. It is a disruption in God's design. Even people who don't believe in God or believe in intelligent design know that sickness is a sign that something is out of place. It is a disruption of life, not an enhancement of life. Sickness points to an invasion. Something foreign and dysfunctional has invaded the body. And therefore, has interrupted the peace and integrity of the body. And in this sense, it reminds us of what sin has done upon entering into God's creation. Sin in our world is a reminder of the dysfunction and brokenness of our world. Broken bodies, broken relationships, broken minds, and broken hearts. And when Jesus healed the sick, beloved, it was him pointing to his mission of ultimately healing the world. Healing the world. He was not just here to heal what was ailing anybody's individual body, but he had come to heal what ails and causes everything to be sick. Namely, sin itself. The healing miracles were Jesus declaring that what was broken in this world and cursed by sin would now be healed and blessed through him. This is who Jesus is. This is the Savior of the world. Sick and sick with sin, Jesus came to heal. Jesus came to heal. And in healing, it points to his ultimate mission, which is to save. And that's why 
Jesus went to that synagogue that day. That's why he went to the synagogue that day. The Bible tells us in chapter 13 and verse 10, Now, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And this was not unusual. Jesus, Jesus went to the synagogue most every Lord's day, most every Sabbath, the Lord could be found in the synagogue. The synagogue was, they were places of worship. They were, they were smaller, they were less formal and more intimate than the temple they were places where people gathered for prayer and, and, and scripture reading and to hear the scriptures taught and explained. The temple, you might remember, was bigger with all of its many courts and offerings and sacrifices and rituals. And the fact of the matter, beloved, there was only one temple and it was in Jerusalem. But synagogues, however, synagogues were located throughout the land. And therefore, wherever Jesus was throughout the country on any given Sabbath day, he could be found in the synagogue praying, preaching, and teaching. In fact, this is how his earthly ministry began, you might remember, in Luke chapter 4, in verse 16, the Bible says, and he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And so those who attended the synagogue would have come to the synagogue for the purposes of hearing God's word read and hearing God's word explained. And so for Jesus to be in the synagogue on that given Sunday, uh, a Sabbath, was not unusual. For Jesus to be teaching in the synagogue on that Sabbath was not unusual. But for Jesus to be in the synagogue, and for Jesus to be teaching in the synagogue, and then suddenly draw attention to a sickly and disabled woman, well, beloved, that was highly unusual. And this would have caught everyone's attention. And yet this is exactly what Jesus did. While he was teaching in the synagogue, the Bible says, into the synagogue that day came a woman. Inconspicuous, unnoticed, and unannounced. Because she was disabled. She was disabled. Today we have the ADA, the American Disabilities Act, to make sure 
to make sure that those with disabilities are, treat, are treated fairly and have access to all the resources that they might need. For her, beloved, there was no ADL. There was no handicap access. There was no one going out of their way to help her. She was broken. And no one even saw her. No one paid attention to her. No one spoke to her. That is until Jesus did. No one saw her until Jesus saw her. And do you know why Jesus saw her? Because she was there. She was there. She didn't allow her trial to keep her from going to worship. In fact, in fact, beloved, I believe it was probably her trouble and her trial that drove her to worship. She needed a word from the Lord. She wanted a word from the Lord. So she went to where the word of the Lord was. She was there. I love, I love, I love to read about people in the Bible who push their way through to Jesus. They push their way through to Jesus. They didn't let trial keep them away. They didn't let their circumstances keep them away. They didn't let any obstacle or adversity keep them from getting through to Jesus. That woman in Luke. Chapter 7, with the alabaster box of perfume. She didn't, she didn't allow her sin, nor did she allow her detractors to keep her from getting to Jesus. The woman in Luke chapter 8 with the bleeding problem. She didn't allow the crowds to stop her from getting to Jesus. Blind Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10 and verse 48, when the people rebuked him and told him to stop bothering Jesus, the Bible says that many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Why? Because he wasn't going to allow adversaries to keep him from getting to Jesus. This disabled woman, she didn't cry out. She didn't make a fuss. But she was there. She was there. When the church was gathered, she was there. When the word was read, she was there. 
When the Lord started preaching, she was there. And when the Lord called her name, guess what, beloved? She was there. There is something, there is something to be said. And there is a blessing to be had by those who won't allow adversity or trouble or even their sin to stop them from calling on Jesus. They're going to be there. They're going to be there. They're going to be there. I have in my office, on my desk, written, I wrote it, Four letters. And the letters are P R A Y. I need to remind myself to pray. Don't stop. I don't feel like it today. When I sit down, the first thing it says, pray, boy. Pray. And I don't. And then I start working on my computer and I look down and what does it say? Pray, boy. Stop it. Pray. Push through. Push through. Keep praying. Keep pushing. There's something to be said and a blessing to be had. Because you're there, despite the adversity, despite the problems and the trial and the detractors, you're there. I'm here, Lord. I'm here. I'm praying. I'm praying. There's a song that we used to sing. I was growing up, and I didn't like it. It sounded like an old dirge, and it wasn't very exciting. But I have learned to sing it with all of my emotions sometimes. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Here my humble cry while on others thou art calling do not do not pass me by a woman walked into that synagogue that day and everybody Passed her by. But not Jesus. And there is, there is much to glean from her life and testimony this morning. There is much to benefit from this account. And I want to share with you just a few. 
first one that we need to understand is that she was disabled by the devil. She was disabled by the devil. In Luke chapter 13 and verse 11, the Bible tells us that this woman went to the synagogue burdened down with a disabling spirit. A disabling spirit. The NIV says she was crippled by a spirit. The New Living Translation says that she was crippled by an evil spirit. Literally in the Greek, it says she had a spirit of sickness. She had a spirit of infirmity. In other words, beloved, Satan had did a number on her. We don't know exactly the medical diagnosis of her sickness, but we do know that it was disabling. And it wasn't just disabling, it was disfiguring. And if it was disabling and disfiguring, then it was also discouraging. Because at the root of all of it, it was demonic. And because it was demonic, she was bound, she was broken, and she was beaten. Because that's Satan's design. She was bound, beloved. The, the, the demonic spirit had a grip on her life. And it was a grip that he was not planning to let go. He had imprisoned her. He had imprisoned her in that body. And every day, more and more, he would remind her that she could not escape this dungeon of pain. She was bound. And not only was she bound, but she was also broken. Bible says she was bent over. Her body couldn't straighten up because it was broke. It was dysfunctional. Something was wrong. And everybody could see it. She was broken. Her body was weak and her strength was sat. I am sure some days she didn't even feel like getting up. And because it was bound and because she was broken, Satan was beating on her. Just beating on her. Beating. Beating on her. This was not a recent sickness. This was not just recent deformity. The Bible says that she had been that way for 18 years. 18 years, beloved. 18 years of struggling out of bed. 18 years of staring down at the ground. 18 years of sneers. 
18 years of loneliness. And, and there was no prospect of things getting better. In her mind, this thing was only going to get worse and worse and worse. Because that's how Satan desires for you and I to feel. It's just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. Would everybody blow? It gets worse. And she's beaten. She's beaten. She was tired. Sickness was taking whatever fight she had. Listen. Listen. What Satan and sin does to a person physically, it is ultimately indicative of what sin and Satan seeks to do to all of us spiritually. This is the point. This is the point. What does Satan want to do, beloved? He wants to bind you. That's what he wants. He wants to bind us. Sin and Satan seek to bind us and disable us. They want to put us in shackles. Shackles on our feet. Shackles on our hands. Shackles on our heart. Take away our freedom. Imprison us in a dungeon of shame. Dungeon of guilt. Dungeons of despair. Bind us. Make us spiritually unwilling and seemingly unable to move. Can't pray. Can't give. Can't go. Too much shame. Too much guilt. Fear. That's what he does. He binds. Then he binds because he wants to break. He wants to break. They want to break our spirits. They want, they, they want to make it so that you can't walk upright. wants to show you that any rightness in your life is actually wrong. They want to undermine your integrity and your reputation, make you ashamed of attending church, make you ashamed of being in the family of God and the community of the saints. Remember what Jesus said to Peter? In Luke chapter 22 and verse 31, when Jesus told Peter that Satan desired to have him so that he might break him, that's what he wanted. He wanted to sift him. He wanted to break Peter. He wanted to make it so that Peter couldn't walk up. is what the enemy does. He seeks to bind us. Seeks to break us. And he wants to beat us. 
I mean, they just don't go away. Satan just doesn't go away, beloved. He just won't go away. Satan is consistent. Sin is constant. Every time you think you got it licked, there it is again. Every, every time you think you got him sent away, here he comes again. He doesn't let up. Listen, beloved, it's not enough that he catches you and I, but he don't just want to catch us. He wants to beat us. Beat us over again and again and again and again. These are the schemes of the enemy. Day and night, day and night. And those caught up often find themselves in despair. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What, what can I do? Every time I think I win, I find myself losing again. My spiritual life has often been one step forward, two steps back. One step forward, two steps back. Can I get a witness? Who knows that? Well, beloved, this is the work of the enemy. This is the design of Satan. This is his work. He wants you to quit. That's what he wants. He wants us to quit. He wants you to stop believing. He wants you to stop trusting. He wants you to stop coming. He wants to bind you, beat you, and break you. So you'll stop believing. Stop coming. Stop trusting. But look at this woman. Look at her. She was beaten. She was bound. She was broken. But she didn't stop believing. She didn't stop believing, believing that trouble don't last always, beloved. She didn't stop. She didn't stop. 18 years in, and she was still coming. 18 years in, and she was still fighting. 18 years in, and she was still trusting that a word from God was coming. She was there. Even though she was disabled by the devil. And she was hindered by hypocrites. She was disabled by the devil. And she was still believing. And then she was being hindered by hypocrites. The Bible says in verse 13 that when Jesus touched this woman, she immediately stood up straight and began praising God. As soon as Jesus touched her, her body straightened up and feeling the strength in her limbs, she wanted to get her praise on. 
she wanted to let everyone know what the Lord had done for her. She had been quiet. She had been unnoticed up to now. But when the Lord touched her, when the Lord healed her, well, beloved, she wasn't going to hold her peace anymore. You were going to take notice of her because of what the Lord had done for her. But just, beloved, just as she raised her praise, the Bible says that a ruler from the synagogue stood up and said, hold up. Not so fast, my sister. Hold up. Slow your roll. Verse 14, the ruler of the synagogue was indignant. He was not at all pleased. Not at all pleased. Why? Because Jesus had just broken protocol. And for the leaders of the synagogue, protocol was more important than praise. She and he had broken protocol. And so what he does is he calls himself rebuking Jesus. This was the Sabbath day. And there was not going to be any healing on the Sabbath. Not with him present. This was not going to be. But beloved, this is the folly of legalism. Listen, listen. This is the folly of legalism. They, they had come to pray. The synagogue was a place of prayer. They had come to pray, but apparently they had not come to hear or to see any answers. They had come to listen to the word preached because that's what the synagogue was for. They had come to hear the word preached, but they had not come to believe the word. They had come to the synagogue that day to acknowledge God, but they had not come there to behold God. They had not come there to see the glory of God. They had not come there to witness the power of God. They had just come there to talk about him. That's the folly of legalism. That's the hypocrisy of it all. Legalism tells you exactly what God can and cannot do. Or what God will and will not do. And beloved, I'm here to tell you this morning that God does the unexpected. God does the unplanned. God does what others say he won't do or what legalism says he can't do. This man told the people, essentially, listen, this is my synagogue. This is my synagogue, and there is not going to be any breaking of the law in my synagogue. Now, beloved, 
That might have been his synagogue. But this was Jesus' sheep. And so he looked at the man and all those there with him. And he says in verse 15, you hypocrites. You hypocrites. Why are you even here? What is the point? What have you come to do? What have you come to hear? What have you come to behold? You can save your own oxen or donkeys on this day. But I can't save one of my sheep. Nonsense. Nonsense. Your donkey has been without water maybe for one day. This, my sheep, has been suffering for 18 years. You hypocrites. And they had hindered the woman from praise. But they were not going to hinder Jesus from saving. No, 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 beloved. Because Jesus explained what he always knew in that the Sabbath was not about their rules and restrictions. The Sabbath was about salvation. That is why they were there. That is why Jesus had come. That day he was pointing once again to to who he is the Savior. If you don't understand this, if, if they didn't understand this, beloved, then they didn't understand the Sabbath. They thought they understood the Sabbath. They didn't understand the Sabbath. Because the Sabbath is not about what you can or cannot do. The Sabbath is about what Jesus has done. That is what it's all about, beloved. It is not about what people can and cannot do. It is reminding us of what Christ has already done. He has come to save us. To rescue us. To redeem us. To grant us rest. To grant us rest. He has come, as the Bible says, he has come to set us free. To set us free. Not only was she disabled by the devil, and hindered by hypocrites. But most importantly, she was set free by the Savior. She was set free by the Savior. 18 years of pain and suffering. 18 years of discouragement with her disability. And finally, on that day, she walked into the synagogue and she heard Jesus say in Luke 13 and 12, woman, you are set free. Woman, you are set free. Or as the old King James would say, woman, thou art loosed. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, woman, you are healed. He didn't say, woman, you are forgiven. 
he looked at her and said, woman, you are set free. Why, beloved? Well, because even though all those other things are true, she was healed and she was saved. But for her on that day, you know what salvation meant? Salvation meant freedom. 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 And that's what Jesus spoke to her. Freedom. Freedom, beloved. Freedom for what had bound her. Freedom for what had broken her. Freedom for what had beaten her. And reminding her and all of us as the Bible tells us in John chapter 8 and 33, that whom the Son sets free, beloved, is free indeed. That's what salvation was. That's what it is, beloved, free. And notice this. Notice this, beloved. That ain't all. That ain't all. Notice this, that he didn't just set her free, but he gave her something to sing about. He didn't just set her free, but he gave her something to give God glory for. He didn't just lift her out of the Mari clay, but then he placed her feet on a rock to stay. That's what he does, beloved. He doesn't just set you free, but he gives you a song. He doesn't just set you free, but he makes you glad. Mercy sets you free. Grace makes you glad. And it's mercy and grace. Beloved, that's why we sing, he has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice because he has made me glad. And I'm so glad. Can you hear her? Can you hear her? I'm so glad that Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad that Jesus lifted me. Satan had me bound, but Jesus lifted me. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Jesus lifted me. That's what he does, beloved. That's what he does. That's why you keep coming. Keep praying. Keep believing. The Lord is coming. Let's pray.